Should fireworks be legal inside Fargo city limits? Plus, should the African nightclub be able to keep their liquor license or should it be suspended or not? Welcome to the Point of View Podcast. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, earlier I had a chance to visit with Fargo Police Chief Dave Zabolski in regards to fireworks, the recent suspension of the African nightclub liquor license, as well as Fargo City Commissioner Tony Gehrig. Here is both of those conversations. I uh, always appreciate your time, sir. And let's start with some of the breaking news you just shared with me uh, off camera. What's happening on Monday? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, we're pretty excited here on Monday to, to promote swearing and promote our uh, new executive team leadership. So we'll be uh, swearing in a, a new assistant chief and two new captains uh, to add to our uh, existing deputy chief. And I'm pretty excited about this new leadership team. They're going to really form the basis for not only short-term success, but future success as the department grows and develops other leaders and, and works on improving our um, our outputs and service to the community. So it's a pretty big day, I think, for the department. Uh, it's the first phase, really, of the reorganization that's uh, been submitted to the commission. So I'm pretty excited about that. So two things in that. One, I think many people here, okay, some new leadership team. I think the biggest question going through people's minds right now is, so what does that mean for reducing crime in the city? We have the the stabbing recently, you guys, I guess, just found a 75-year-old person in connection with that. We've had some shootings as of late, obviously the situation with Jupiter. So how does this promotion and leadership help reduce crime in our community? Sure. Well, the, it's part of the overall reorganization of the department, which is really looking at getting the right people in the right roles, um, <clears throat> civilianizing in some areas, growing our intelligence and analysis capacity. Uh, we've changed shift schedules. So the nomenclature of the department is changing to one that is more more forward thinking and more progressive in terms of our technology and our techniques um, we're engaging with the community so we're going to continue to grow on what we've already uh, built in those areas uh, we've already taken a very high focus on violent crime crime in particular but, but violent crime and that small percentage of folks who are involved in that so uh, i think the creation of these positions and then putting these particular folks in these positions really puts us in a position to attack uh, that from a crime and public safety perspective, but also to work on some other long-term issues that um, for our own department members in terms of officer wellness, physical and mental wellness, career development, uh, internal things as well that help make the department more cohesive, uh, make it more of one in which we are developing and uh, personnel uh, growing their competencies. Uh, so, I mean, a lot is a lot is going on right now across the board, and I'm excited to get these new personnel, these new leaders in position so that they can take some of their ideas and concepts and start putting them into action. One of the things you also mentioned in your answer about the promotions was, hey, Chris, looking at future success within the department. I'm curious, as the leader of the department, like how, how, how do you measure and define success? And let's go out a year from now. How are you going to measure that to go, okay, this was successful? Mm -hmm. Well, from a community perspective, uh, we, we would probably do some community surveys in terms of how people feel about their safety. You know, crime statistics is one measure, but, you know, the reality of crime and those statistics versus the, uh, the perception or fear of crime often don't align, and the fear of crime is usually higher. Uh, so, you know, from a public perspective, do people feel safer in Fargo? Are they out frequently? We've got some beautiful areas. we got a beautiful downtown uh, and, you know, it seems to me that we 
got a lot of increased participation in these areas. So we want people to feel safe all, all across the city and all of our neighborhoods that they're being adequately served by our department, uh, both from a public safety uh, standpoint, uh, as well as protection of them, uh, but also internally, you know, the functioning of the department, are we more efficient? Are we more prudent with the money, the tax dollars that um, funnel to our operations? We have better accountability and better transparency, both internally with our elected officials and with our community in terms of things that we're doing um, inside and outside. And what are those what are those effects? So we'll be doing a lot of data analysis, setting in essence baselines to measure from. And that's from there you kind of measure your success or identify areas in which we could improve. You know, with the <clears throat> what appears to be an uptick in, in, in violent crime in our community, I don't think I've ever asked the Fargo police chief this. So I'm curious what your answer is going to be. But as you, this is a fairly new position for you still. Like, as you look out over the landscape and you're getting a feel for the community, what's going on here? What what keeps the Fargo police chief up at night? Well, um, I think number one, I always uh, concerned about our officers and their uh, well-being and their safety. Um, we have a very good department here. <clears throat> We've done a lot to increase our training. Uh, that's going to be a big focus going forward as well. And that's not just from a competency perspective for the officers, but safety and wellness. I think that that's a huge issue in today's environment. Um, <clears throat> law enforcement recruitment is very difficult. Law enforcement retention is almost equally as difficult. I mean, we're not just in Fargo, but in other departments, you know, we're seeing people who have just been, you know, they've got five or six years into this career and, um, have difficulty continuing forward just because we're in a difficult environment right now or it wasn't exactly what they thought it would be. And you know, it takes a lot of mental resiliency um, along with a lot of commitment and passion to do this job. So we really wanna support the personnel that we put so much time and effort into and help them along throughout their career. Uh, so, I mean, that's my number one concern. Uh, second to that, of course, is really the overall safety of the community. Um, I, I know from, from what I see and, and what we're doing that uh, we have a really uh, a lot of dedicated staff here that are working hard every day to keep the community safe and that growth of the community relationships has been a big boost for us as well. Yeah, thank you for what you're doing, Chief. I know it's not an easy situation for you uh, right now. So let's talk about this. Um, according to our report, 182 phone calls to the Fargo PD in regards to fireworks, yet not one citation. Why not? Well, actually we did have we found two citations. One citation, actually, we had a couple of our officers and really to the previous point that are walking in downtown beat and a car uh, with several jewels and it drives by and shoots lit fireworks at the officers. Fortunately, they weren't uh, injured seriously or significantly. Uh, we ended up getting the car stopped and, and arresting those individuals and referring them to the juvenile authorities. Uh, so here again, a situation that was completely unnecessary. Um, to the larger issue of fireworks violations, uh, I think pretty much any city that you go to, you will have a lot of people using fireworks. Now, the fact that it's illegal, I think, prevents a lot of other people from doing it, which is very good, especially in our current status where we had uh, 15 fires in the city, 12 of which were the result of uh, illegal fireworks. Uh, but there's also a legal debacle here, too, because, you know, for... I guess it's hard to figure out the logic, but we have large fireworks stores that for a specific time by state statute can sell fireworks that by law in the city they are in, 
people can't actually use. Uh, so it's kind of a, uh, a very mixed message from a business perspective. We have big lot fireworks dealers. Uh, now they may not be specifically in the city. I think there's a couple that are actually in what's known as frontier. So by half a street or half of a street, they're, they're outside of the city. But certainly everyone that's buying those, almost all the people who live in our city, well, what do you think they're going to do with those fireworks? Um, so, I mean, that's, I think there's a legislative piece to all of this as well. Uh, but, you know, in terms of our calls for service, you know, most times when we get to these situations, the people are gone as soon as they see the squad. They're, they're not there anymore. Um, we don't have complainants if we do have somebody, uh, a situation stopped. Um, and so it's it's not all that often that we're actually writing the citations. We're mostly running to the calls um, just to make sure that everyone's safe. So when you look at the resources used for 182 calls, because I know you guys are trying to get out to all the calls, mm -hmm. and yet they're legal in West Fargo, is it time for Fargo to just legalize fireworks? Uh, well, I guess that's more of a commission decision. Um, I would certainly say that if we legalized it, we would have a whole lot more uh, of a lot of people tossing off fireworks. And I think in a confined city setting, that's extremely dangerous. I mean, for what we had going on this July when they were illegal, we, we started several fires. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a, certainly the fire chief, I'm sure would weigh in on that and the commission. Uh, I don't think it would be a good idea to make them legal. Uh, simply because we can't necessarily stop and arrest everyone who's doing that. I mean, there's a lot of crime that falls in that category. But maybe prime example, again, I don't know exactly what happened with the stabbing the night of July 4th, so I could be completely missing here. And when you look at it, it takes a lot of resources to get out to all these calls. I mean, is there sometimes a chance where you're stretched so thin that maybe you can't attend to a serious violent crime like this as well as you would like because of something like a fireworks call, and if it was legal, then you guys have got resources going towards more? Yeah, um, not really, no, because uh, the fireworks calls are gonna, they're gonna wait, they're gonna pend in the queue. Uh, our calls are prioritized, anything like safety is a priority one call. Uh, so if 10, 15, 20 fireworks related calls sit in the queue, they sit in the queue. I mean, that's, uh, we're gonna attend to those life safety issues first and utilize uh, the appropriate amount of personnel to properly address them. And we'll catch up with the other calls when we can. I'm going to play a clip from the uh, Fargo City Commission meeting when you sort of laid out the laundry list of situations at the Africa Nightclub and then give you a chance to respond. So this is Commissioner Gehrig and uh, Commissioner Strand in regards to there's been other incidents at other bars. Here's what they had to say. That has to have the exact same record at the exact same time period and no one wants to say its name and no one wants to get rid of their license. And I'm wondering why to this day we still aren't talking about it. So I'm happy to support this, and I hope that our police department and our control board does the right thing and looks into those other bars as well. Mr. Strand. Th thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I've been, I, I have a similar question in the, in the last window of time. We've had a death outside the Hodo, a death outside the Bismarck, and a death outside of Rick's Bar. Um, how do they differ from this situation? What's the threshold because the community will ask that same question. Sure. Uh, what's the difference in why this became over the tipping point versus other establishments that we have a, a knowledge of their challenges? Uh, your reaction, Chief? Uh, well, as I told the commissioners, we've had a lot of good discussions about this, especially Commissioner Garrett, who uh, previously was on the Liquor Control Board. 
um, <clears throat> I, I would take the same action with any establishment that had a similar series of events that we could actually show. Um, I think the anecdotal belief, and again, I haven't been here that long, is that there are some other bars that have particular issues, although I can tell you with certainty there's no bar that I'm aware of that has anywhere near the same endemic issues that were present with this particular establishment, the Africa nightclub. Uh, and so, but what we have done over the last nine months is we've actually done a lot of work on restructuring, not just the liquor control board. I used to be a member. Now I'm a participant. I'm providing information to a citizen board shared by a commissioner so that they can make objective decisions about licensure of our uh, uh, liquor establishments. Um, and so, which I think is a much better model. And we've also put new policy and procedures in place in the police department um, because even the, the perceptions in some of these taverns could well be true previous, previously, but the information wasn't documented with any certainty and it certainly wasn't uh, passed along with any consistency to uh, the Liquor Control Board and Commission so they would be aware of it and could make informed decisions. So, you know, the whole change in the board and the whole change in our department policy and protocol as to how we handle these will now put vetted data in the hands of those decision makers. And so um, I think from one point that if there are establishments that um, are experiencing similar deficiencies or have similar issues, we certainly encourage them to shore up their operations. On the other side, we also understand that many of these instances, as uh, the examples that Commissioner Strand was talking about, are completely apples and oranges to what, what we were addressing at that special meeting. Uh, the, the fact that a incident happens at a bar is, I mean, that those incidents could have happened anywhere. They happened to happen where they did. Um, had nothing to do with the operations of the bar. The bar wasn't part of the issue. They weren't, uh, by virtue of their business practice or lack of oversight, contributing to the conduct. And that's why uh, the situation at the Effort Club was different because the whole operation very much was contributing to uh, many of the uh, Ill criminal outcomes, illegal outcomes that resulted from uh, really poor oversight and poor management and, and decision-making. Um, so, and that adversely affected public safety. So you said, hey, Chris, now I'm in a position to give input to the Liquor Control Board. So with that being said, based on what you've seen out of this African nightclub, do you think their, their license should be completely revoked? Well, again, that's a commission decision. Um, and I don't want to um, impute myself into that decision. I will provide data and information and answer questions that the commission has. And that's their ultimate decision. Um, and they, you know, have much more um, historic knowledge of this issue than I do. So I'm really, from a public safety perspective, taking appropriate action, providing the information and letting them make the decision. What was the most egregious offense that you found at this nightclub, in your opinion? <clears throat> well, I think there are several issues. Um, there appears to be an issue with over-serving. There appears to be an issue with underage uh, persons in the, in the, the uh, establishment. There's an issue with firearms um, in terms of firearms in the in the bar in general uh, versus firearms by personnel who may or may not be staff members and the way in which those firearms are stored. Um, <clears throat> I, there's an issue with disorderly situations and disturbances that occur in and around uh, the, the tavern. Um, Serving after, I mean, there's, there's just a, a platitude. And then in terms of business practices, 
um, really a lot of concerns when you talk to someone who is in charge who doesn't have complete or any idea who their staff is, I think is, is another concern. Sorry, I don't want to put, actually, you know what, I'm not going to even go there because we'll let you lay that out for the commission and they can decide how they want to proceed with the liquor license. I want to give you a chance to respond. Francis Brown, the owner there, a couple of comments he's made uh, that he's been in the newspaper and just give you a chance to uh, respond that he's denying that security staff kept guns in a fridge. Well, Francis is a, a very nice man. I met with him uh, even prior to all of this, um, but I'm not going to debate that if uh, you know this, this will potentially be heard in an appeal. There'll be testimony offered, and um, I stand behind the information provided by my department members. Well, Commissioner Garrick says that you guys have video guns in a fridge. Is that accurate? We showed some photos at the uh, public meeting, which you would have access to. Yeah. It, yes. Okay. Um, the other thing he said of Mr. Brown is there's a lot of bars in North Dakota and Fargo areas that have a lot of issues, a lot of calls, a lot of violations, but they will never call an emergency meeting to suspend their license. I don't know why they're doing it. I feel they're doing it because we are blacks. What's your response? Yeah. Um, that has nothing to do with it. Um, we stand on the facts as presented. Uh, and again, if someone can provide me facts similar uh, to the ones we have here, I would take the same action. Uh, our whole concern has everything to do with public safety and the inordinate uh, use of our resources because of the public safety issues that are created by the operations of the business. It's also the protection of the patrons that go there. I know not everyone that goes there is even aware of some of these dangers uh, until something happens. So, I mean, it's just our responsibility to bring that forward. We will take the uh, the same approach and scrutiny and, and uh, with all of our liquor establishments as we move forward. Uh, and as we meet with the Liquor Control Board going forward, and you'll see the, the new reporting mechanism that will provide them better information, not just about violations, but also about licensed premises that have called and are cooperating with the police. I mean, sometimes things happen that are out of their control. So uh, by all means, we encourage those establishments to call us if something's beyond their control, we wanna help them. That's not a negative report to the Liquor Control Board. But it certainly is if there are violations that are part of the business practice or that are either condoned or known about by the people who are operating it and they have either decided not to address it or refused to address it. Um, two questions in one. This is a hard one because you know any loss of life obviously is sad and terrible. So Mr. McNair uh, was shot and killed at the African nightclub. One, do you have any suspects as of yet that you're investigating? And then two, uh, I know you said at the commission meeting that he was a convicted felon handling weapons at the door. Can you expand upon what he was a convicted felon about and just your assessment of him handling firearms? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to expand upon it. It's an active criminal investigation um, other than he is a convicted felon and by law cannot be in possession of firearms. So um, I'm not aware. Do you have a, do you have, can you tell us what's next? Is there an appeal process that's going to be next? Or what's the next step in this situation? Uh, I think it's more of a city auditor question. Uh, they have processes in place, and I know they're working with the city attorney on on what the next steps are uh, based on, you know, what the management uh, also does. It. So that's kind of in their ballpark at this juncture. Great. Chief Sobolski, thank you so much for the time and the insight. As always, we appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing the big news on Monday, okay? Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you, sir. Welcome to Point of View. Joining us live, Fargo City Commissioner Tony Garrett. Commissioner Garrett, great to have you back on Point of View. Uh, we were just talking off air, some breaking news you want to share with our audience, what's happening at the next commission meeting. 
Yeah, one of the important things we talk about at the next city commission meeting is election laws, election rules, uh, and how we as a commission are made up. So we had a, a study or a group come together about two years ago to talk about ways to reform our system. Uh, that includes things like award system for districts, just like the state does. You'd have representatives in the city that would represent certain parts of the city. Uh, we talked about the number of commissioners. We have five currently to include the mayor. Would be better to have seven. And then we talked about term, term limits. Currently we have term limits. You're allowed to do three consecutive terms as a commissioner, and you can add one additional term as mayor if you become mayor. Uh, so these will all be up for question at the next city commission meeting. And what I'm gonna ask to do is put this on the ballot for the next uh, election cycle. Uh, so that'll be next year. Um, and let the people decide uh, the questions that we'll ask them. Do you want wards? Do you want seven commissioners? And do you want term limits or not? So to kind of piggyback on that though, didn't you guys recently vote to say, hey, you're gonna continue that, that distance absentee voting through 2022, even though the mayor said COVID is no mas? Yeah, so there's an earmark in the budget that's about $36,000 to uh, send out absentee ballots to everyone who's eligible. Now, the, the problem with that is it's gonna cost much more than $36,000 to do that. And we now know that. So I'm hoping that it doesn't happen. You can still get an absentee ballot for any reason in the state of North Dakota. You don't have to be gone. <laughs> if you just don't wanna get out of your house, you can apply for that and they'll send one to you. We don't need to force feed people and automatically send it to them uh, as, a, as a matter of course. So I hope it doesn't happen. And I, and I hope people uh, take advantage of the early voting that we have uh, and the, obviously the election day that we have as well. So there's plenty of opportunities in the city of Fargo to vote either in person, early, or by mail. Yeah, it just seems a little bit odd that you guys are going to make this rule now when, again, the mayor's already said, hey, COVID is no mas, and you're talking well over a year away. So we'll see how that plays out. But thank you for the insight on the breaking news. I want to talk to you about the African nightclub situation, liquor, liquor license plus. Uh, you are now saying, hey, you know what? Why doesn't Fargo just legalize fireworks? There was 182 calls apparently, and yet zero citations written. So why were there no citations written if you can, can know that? And what's your uh, pitch on why fireworks should be legal in the city? Well, I'll start with why there were no citations. It's because of the process that we've set up. One, there has to be a complaint. So someone will call if their neighbors are lighting off fireworks, uh, and then the cops will come whenever they have time. I mean, they're busy people. They, there was a stabbing that night. You know, there are other things that are happening in the city of Fargo besides fireworks. Uh, so if they get around to doing it, they, they do answer every phone, every call they get. So they'll show up maybe an hour later, whatever it is. And if there's no one there, then, oh, oh nothing happened. And if there is someone there, what they'll do is they'll walk up and say, fireworks are illegal in the city of Fargo. Please stop. Have a nice day. And they'll go back to their car and they'll carry on with their, with their business. Then if someone calls again, for that same event, the cops will show up. And if there's no one there, then it's okay, nothing happened. And if someone's still there, which would be ridiculous by the way, uh, then they'll get a fine for a hundred dollars or whatever the number is, which is, and you can see how rare that is. It almost never happens. In fact, as, as a commissioner, I think I've heard of like two or three fines given out for fireworks since in the last six or seven years. Uh, so it's an unenforceable uh, law that we have. Prohibition doesn't work. The people of Fargo are telling us with their actions that they want to have fireworks. There's a law saying you can't, but thousands of people, literally thousands are doing it. Uh, then there's the argument of, well, if we make it legal, then more people will do it. I don't think so. I think the people who want to set off fireworks are setting off fireworks. And, and the last point I'll make is it'll be safer to make it legal and have reasonable rules attached to it. Right now, if you light up a firework, 
let's say you're a kid and you light a firework and you know it's not okay to do that. You light it off and you run. And you have no idea where that thing went. Maybe it didn't go the direction you wanted it to go. And if it goes into a dumpster and it starts a fire or it hits a truck and it starts a fire, are you going to call the cops on yourself? Probably not. Uh, so we're, we're creating criminals where there otherwise wouldn't be. It's unenforceable. Prohibition doesn't work. And we can, and we, if we have a law that doesn't work, and and uh, you know, we can look at cities around us that, they, that it does work. Let's let's mirror them. Let's do something different. Let's create a law that works and stop the prohibition. Because yeah, just for clarity, it's legal to light out fireworks in West Fargo, correct? And Moorhead, but maybe not Moorhead. At least West Fargo it is. I was gonna say I don't know about Moorhead, but probably, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think not Moorhead. But West Fargo and I, I don't know if they had a bunch of issues or not over the 4th of July. The, the point I think you're trying to make as well is now you've got fire and police using up a bunch of resources. Yep. They were stabbing that night and, and about fireworks where, yes, there were some issues. Okay, Somebody lost a thumb and a finger, so there were some challenges and issues out there. So I'm not minimizing that, but at the same point in time, are we best utilizing our police and fire department? So with that being said, you talked about the stabbing that night. I just want, we're going to get to the African nightclub situation, but just your overall assessment about crime right now in Fargo. I mean, the, the amount of shooting, stat, things that are happening here, I think it's shocking a lot of people, Commissioner. I'm even having people tell me, Chris, I'm not moving into Fargo. I see what's going on with the crime in that city. I'm not moving there. Yeah, and if you have the magic bullet for fixing that problem, you know, we'll make you mayor. But it's a tough issue. And, and growing cities, it's, it's one of the byproducts of a growing city. And again, I'm not trying to poo-poo it either. It's a problem, and we're trying to look at it and trying to find ways to fix it. The police chief has done things like change the shifts. So there's more cops on the street when, other, when, when there's more people on the street during busier times and not having the same shift throughout the day, right? So we're, we're trying to focus on the issues that we have. But like, like I said, a growing city, a successful city always has these byproducts. Uh, and you can see that across the state and, and across the country. Uh, but we'll do our best to, to minimize it. But, uh, you know, Fargo is still a safe community. Fargo is still a good community. It just so happens we're having some high profile, uh, you know, crime happening here lately. Um, your assessment on the 60 day suspension for the African nightclub liquor license and, uh, and would you vote to just completely revoke it if that was on the table? I would. And, I, and I'm going to put it on the table. Uh, the, I want to clarify that the 60 day suspension that they have is at the interim penalty. It's just to get the ball rolling. It's not going to be just a 60 day suspension. And that's it. Uh, that was uh, uh, so that we have time to find out more information. And we are finding out more information. Uh, the the lawyer earned GM is now not associated with that business. And I, and I don't know why. Uh, so there's something else going on here. You know, this, the city of Fargo pulling their liquor license is the least of their problems for this nightclub. They're going to have the ATF. They're going to have the FBI. They're going to have the IRS looking into them due to all the problems that were going on in, in that business. So this business does not belong uh, to or does not it should not have a license in the city of Fargo. These owners should never again have a license of any kind in the city of Fargo. Uh, if someone else buys that business, goes through the process, background checks, the whole nine, and gets approved, I have no problem with keeping that business in place under new management and, and especially under new ownership. So a couple of things I want to go through. Francis Brown, the owner, says he denies that security staff kept guns in fridge. What say you? It's on video. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay, that kind of sums. Do I, I, do, I do want to get to this though, um, and you alluded this in the city commission meeting where you said, hey, there's other bars that are having issues. We'll get to that in a moment and why they have not been uh, penalized up to this point. But this is from the owner says, hey, there's a lot of bars in North Dakota and Fargo that have got a lot of issues, a lot of calls, a lot of violations, but they will never call an emergency meeting to suspend their license. You brought that up at the meeting. 
quoting here now, I don't know why they're doing it. I feel like they're doing it because we are black. Well, that's kind of whataboutism. You know, they have their problems and they, and I said at the meeting, they certainly deserve to have their license pulled and in my opinion, revoked. Now, as we do that, there are other bars, certainly, that we should be looking at suspending and pulling their licenses. And we all know who they are, and we all know the reasons why. We talked about the African, we talked about the African nightclub and, and the problems they had, which are gun violations, which are over-serving, serving after uh, close, having employees being aggressive, having felons work for you. All of these things are awful, and they, and they deserve to, be, to have their license taken away. I can think of a lot of businesses here in the Fargo that have proven to have the same infractions and not have their license revoked. That's a problem. But that, that's my point, sir. Why not then call an emergency meeting that, like he just suggested? You haven't done that up to this point. So I think that's his argument, but hey, is there some other reason here? I think he can validate why he's saying that. I think there is some other reason. And I don't know what that reason is, uh, but I've, I've called for these businesses to have their license pulled and, and there was a dramatic backlash to include me being removed from the liquor control board for making that assertion. So ask the other commissioners because I have made those assertions and I said we need to remove their license and and what I got in return was you can't work here anymore <laughs> so you have to, I'm only one commissioner we need at least two, uh, three to have that happen last question sir you've got a laundry list of things you just talked about within the African Eye Club I think what some people are wondering is how does pulling their liquor license solve I mean some of these issues are pretty egregious how does it solve these issues like I said uh, the Fargo is least of their problems they're going to the FBI, the IRS, and the ATF. I'm not kidding when I say that they are investigating this company uh, and this business. So us pulling the license may, basically just shuts off, shuts their doors. They can't serve alcohol anymore. They can't serve food anymore. Uh, they won't be able to operate. But their their issues are <laughs> we're the least of their problems. Uh, so us pulling that license was the first step in stopping their activity. So that if they did try to open their doors again, we would be able to then go and physically shut them down. Fargo City Commissioner Tony Garrett, appreciate the time and the insight, my friend. You bet. See ya. All right. Stay with us. We have much more coming up here on Point of View. We've got our leadership quote of the day. Be wrapping things up and also small town spotlight coming up on Friday. Please share your point of view with us. Very easy to do. Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail because we're going to be right back.